So we are in Luke chapter 8. We're in Exodus 40 and Leviticus 1. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Please guide and direct us. We look into your word this morning and look into these wonderful truths, these challenging things we learn and the difficulties that Israel went through and so much about the priesthood, so much about learning how to worship you, God. We should be able to learn something from that. So thank you in Jesus' name. Chapter 40 of the last chapter of the book of Exodus begins by saying, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall place the ark of the testimony there. You shall screen the ark with the veil. You shall bring the table and arrange what belongs on it. You shall bring in the lampstand and mount its lamps. Moreover, you shall set the gold altar of incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the veil for the doorway of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering in front of the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall set the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the veil for the gateway of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and shall consecrate it and all its furnishings and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and consecrate the altar and the altar shall be most holy. You shall anoint the laver and its stands and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron, anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister as a priest to me. You shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. You shall anoint them even as you have anointed their father that they may minister as priests to me and their anointing will qualify them for perpetual priesthood throughout the generations. Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So he did. Now in the first month of the second year of the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle and laid its sockets and set up its boards and inserted its bars and erected its pillars. He spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he took the testimony and put it into the ark and attached the poles to the ark and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. He brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up a veil for a screen and screened off the ark of the testimony just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he put the table and the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil. He set the arrangement for the bread in order on it before the Lord, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle. He lighted the lamps before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the veil. He burned fragrant incense on it, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he set up the veil for the doorway of the tabernacle and he set the altar of burnt offerings before the doorway of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offerings and the meal offerings, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 30. He placed the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. From it, Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. 
When they entered the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He erected the court all around the tabernacle and the altar, and he hung up the veil for the gateway of the court. Thus Moses finished the work. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was light in it by night in the sight of the house of Israel. So we'll stop there just for a minute to, to reflect on a couple of things. The, um, the anointing, the beginning, it is now, they've been wandering, or not wandering, they've been traveling and, and actually resting at Mount Sinai now. This is going into the second year. And they've been there learning about God. They've been introduced. They're learning to know their God, and he's up on the mountain. They cannot approach him because he's up on the mountain, and the mountain is as a fire. You know, this is the mountain. They saw the thunder. They heard the voice of God, and they knew that God was in this unapproachable glory up on the top of the mountain, which was which was like fire. And uh, and it, they brought they they learned immediately the reverence that they needed to have for God. If they touched the mountain, they would die. But then God has them build the tabernacle, and it's right in the middle of, of the entire assembly of these up to 2 million, 3 million people. And he says, now I'm moving. I'm going to come down and be among you. Scary thing when you stop and think about it. What they had seen and the glory that was there and, and the consequences were coming too close. So when it's all done and... But he anoints Aaron and his son, and it's so important for us in the New Testament sense how God cleanses us and anoints us to be his representative, his priests. We're a holy priesthood, being clothed with the righteousness of Christ and, and the, the, the imagery of what God does in us and how he cleanses us and the privilege we have as believers is immense. It's amazing. But his glory comes down into that tabernacle so powerful so glorious that Moses can't enter and Moses was the one who could go up on the mountain in the midst of the fire of God in the holy presence when it would almost seem a greater glory was manifested there because of the the, the immense size of everything going on and yet here he can't enter why I, I just it's illustrative to me that God was saying I'm concentrating my presence in this little bitty tent and uh, my glory is dwelling there so much and it was such a wonderful thing again not having happened really since the garden that god had said i want to walk with man face to face i want to meet with man i want to be with man in a very localized sense on the earth and so moses can't even enter in what a phenomenal thing in a good way right it's just the glory was so great he couldn't it was so god is like this pure light but it's a light that you feel it's a light that is not a light it is light that is god himself 
And so he could not enter into that holiness even as one approved to enter into the holiness. So then uh, after that is established now, we see that God says, now I'm here with you. And by I'm going to be with you day and night. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you day and night. Illuminating night, giving warmth perhaps in the cold of the desert, in the daytime. Many people believe that co- that column of cloud went up and spread out to give shade over the sons of Israel as they moved through the desert, protecting them from the harsh sun. There's some evidence for that, which would be really amazing coming from the desert. I would appreciate that. All right, now we move into the book of Leviticus, chapter 1, continuing on. After this tabernacle is now established, now they need to have a clear understanding of these offerings. So here's the law of the burnt offering. Then the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When any man of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of animals from the herd of the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it a male without defect. He shall offer it at the doorway of the tent of meeting that it may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, that it may be accepted for him to make an atonement on his behalf. He shall slay the young bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall offer up the blood and sprinkle the blood around the altar that is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. He shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head, and the suet over the wood which is on the fire that is on the altar. Its entrails, however, and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer it up in the smoke, all of it on the altar for burnt offering, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. But if the offering is from the flock of the sheep or of the goats, For a burnt offering, he shall offer it a male without defect. He shall slay it on the side of the altar, northward before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle his blood around the altar. He shall then cut it into its pieces with its head and its suet. And the priest shall arrange them on the wood, which is on the fire that is on the altar. The entrails, however, and the legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer all of it, and offer it up in smoke on the altar. It is a burnt offering, an offering by fire of soothing aroma to the Lord. But if his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering from the turtle doves or from the young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and offer it up in smoke on the altar and its blood is to be drained out on the side of the altar. He shall also take away its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar eastward to the place of the ashes. Then he shall tear it by its wings, and he shall not sever it. And the priest shall offer it up in the smoke of the altar of the wood which is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, an offering by fire, a soothing aroma to the Lord. So there we begin the whole priesthood. Uh, requirements or I should say the requirements of the altar and this is 
really focusing in now on the person bringing the offering. I mean, it, we have the procedure for the priest, but it, what can the person bring? How can the person come before God? What's going to be accepted? And it's all going to be about placing it before the Lord, and the animal is to be the substitute. And the worshiper then was to be placing his hand on the head of the offering while the sacrifice was made by the priest so that he could identify and see that something innocent was being sh- was being killed on his behalf. The blood that was being poured out was not his, but the animal's. And then he was to offer thanks to God that he could have an acceptable sacrifice offered in this place, which, of course, brings us to the book of Luke where we read about our acceptable sacrifice, that this was all set up so that Jesus could come and be the Lamb of God. Luke chapter 8, soon afterwards he began going around from one city and village to another proclaiming the preaching of the kingdom. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chosa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. When a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying with him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, Some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what the parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and then in time of temptation they fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pressures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed is the good soil, These are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not become known and and come to light. So take care how you listen and Whoever has to him shall more be given, and whoever does not have, even when he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And his mother and his brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. 
And he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Verse 22. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped and he became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, and when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothes for a long time. He was not living in a house, but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain. And the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country, and the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well, and all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave, for they were gripped with fear, and he got into the boat and returned. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away, saying, Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city the great things Jesus had done for him. And as Jesus returned and the people welcomed him, for they had been all waiting for him, and there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old. She was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him, and a woman who had a hemorrhage of 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And they were all denying it. And Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, 
She came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but she is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given to her to eat. Their parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. We see these amazing, amazing deliverances of um, people from being demon-possessed to being raised from the dead. The power of Jesus as he walked around the, the Sea of Galilee and walking around, when you get to tour over there, you see the, the place where he went over to Gethsemane and get to see the place where most likely, in that area anyway, where he did this uh, um, amazing healing of the demon-possessed man. And, and you think about it, why would the people get upset at that? Why would they want to send him away? when they have that kind of power available to them that come to them, why wouldn't they come and say, please touch me, heal me, I have this disease, I have this problem, and, and, uh, and really appeal to them on the greater need. I'm a sinner, please forgive me, when they realize who he was, like Peter, and, and, and really take advantage of the fact that the tabernacle had God of God had come to dwell among them, to walk among them, and that they could now meet with God face to face is what that was happening. Yet they want to send him away. Reason being that they were not to have anything to do with the swine, with raising them for uh, for market for selling. They were Jews, and it was prohibited. But yet they had essentially decided that it was better to go after the riches of the world than to follow after God, to follow his commands. And it was very convicting to have God come before them and say, what are you doing? This is not what I've called you to. They were to walk with God humbly with all their strength, all their might. And they're realizing it's more than, oh, God, this guy's this guy's powerful. He can cast down demons. It was like, this guy, he's, he's powerful enough he knows our hearts. He knows where we are spiritually. And so they do what, unfortunately, so many people do. They send him away. And that's scary because so many times people come into church or they come to a Bible study. They maybe come in your home and you get a chance to talk to them and share with them and, and say, God is here. I mean, when they come into a time where there's prayer, where there's worship and and hearing and teaching the word, and all of a sudden they realize God is there, that Jesus is being lifted up, magnified, and glorified, and they get a sense of his presence. 
they can become, if they don't bow down and become broken, they become very scared. And they want to send them away. I don't want this. I'm too involved in my life. I'm making a lot of money here. I'm making a good life for myself. I'm getting what I want out of the flesh right now. And uh, I don't want God messing that up. And so they come to that decision. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Ball, <laughs> Baal, the God of the flesh, or the Lord. And so they send him away. But not the synagogue official. See, he does the opposite thing. His daughter's dying. And he is a man that's seeking after God. He's doing the best he can with, with the information he has to be faithful. And what's amazing to me is he should have been like the Pharisees. No, never. Jesus, you'd be the last person you would call. I'm going to call on Abraham. I'm going to call on the, you know, I will go to the, the, to the priests and make a sacrifice. But he's heard about Jesus, seen the miracles. He understands this. He understands by spirit. He is the seed that has been thrown in good soil. He heard the words of Jesus. And they fell on a heart that was prepared that says, you know what? This is too, this, these words are true. These are the words of my fathers in the Old Testament. All of these things are reflective of all the words in the, in the Torah, in the law about the coming of the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And so he, the seed took good, took root and bore fruit. He went to Jesus and said, I believe you can heal my daughter. And that faith healed his daughter. And we have the great, the, the story of his daughter dying just so God could go and, and Jesus could go there and bring more glory to the Father and raise her from the dead. And can you imagine how that synagogue official and his wife and his daughter lived from that day on? They were believers. From that day on, they became, you know, head and stern, stern <laughs> believers in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and there's some interesting history on that, that he might have become uh, very involved in the church at that point on. Did he continue as a synagogue official after that? Don't know. But if he did, he had a whole different way to worship. Well, let's finish off now with Charles Spurgeon. The past deliverance begets faith, is what this says. The verse says, David said, moreover, the Lord has delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. 1 Samuel 17, 37. This is not a promise if we consider only the words, but it is truly so as to its sense. For David spoke a word which the Lord endorsed by making it true. He argued from past deliverances that he should receive help in the new danger. In Jesus, all the promises are yea and amen to the glory of God by us. And so the Lord's former dealings with his believing people will be repeated. Come then, let us recall the Lord's former loving kindness. We could not have hoped to be delivered aforetime by our own strength, yet the Lord delivered us. Will he not again save us? We are sure he will. As David ran to meet his foe, so will we. The Lord has been with us. He is with us. And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Why do you tremble? Was the past a dream? Think of the dead bear and the lion. Who is this Philistine? True, he's not quite the same. 
and there's neither bear nor lion, but then God is the same, and his honor is as much concerned in the one case as in the other. He did not save us from the beasts of the forest to let a giant kill us. Let us be of good courage. So the things you've seen God do in the past, and the deliverances you've seen him do in the past, should you give you confidence to trust him in the future, in the future challenges. You've seen him come through for you, and some very and some of you have some amazing stories. I've heard of how you've you know narrowly escaped death through this accident, that accident, or this illness. Then take courage; you can do it again. Take strength and comfort that he's there. And at times, God will call you to make the stand. Say, I'm trusting him in this. Be prayerful about it. Don't make blanket statements. Uh, but if your walk is strong, if you're walking close with him and praying daily and listening to him and developing that relationship with him, then I think you can make those statements. So keep that in mind. It's a good thing to remember. Well, let's spend this time now just thanking God and praying. So, Father God, thank you again for all that you are doing. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for giving us this time, Father, to be together. Ask God that you would um, just give us a beautiful, beautiful understanding of these scriptures. Give us an intense, Father, desire to to come into your presence now that we understand the the high cost of what it cost people in the Old Testament to come into your presence, that the the price of blood and the complicated procedure of all of the sacrifices and the altar and the priestess and the cleansing and this long, long procedure just to spend a little time in your presence. So help us maintain a desire to be there and to take advantage of the churches we have, take advantage of the worship times we have, not treat them lightly, and then to come to you, God, when we are hurting, when the things when you come into our presence that we don't run away or send you away, we would just invite you in and ask you to cleanse us. Show us our heart. Show us the areas where we've been truly following after the world or seeking the things of the world more than you. And then help us to fall at your feet and repent and help us just to be thankful, God, to invite you in to <laughs> heal. Heal us. Heal our family. Thank you for the blessing that we have every day to be with you. So God, continue to guide us and direct us in this day. I want to remember the people that are dealing with some very intense uh, sicknesses and illnesses. Pastor Joe with his cancer, um, the Rao family getting over this terrible tragedy of, of Carly Rao dying and, and the funeral coming up, people that are gathering. May it be a celebration of life. May it be just a wonderful gathering of believers that have come together confirming God that there's life after death. There is a eternity. There is a great, there's a great calling home of all of us. So may it be a very positive thing that's going to be happening this week and bless Renee as she's going to be back there, going back there to minister and, and to uh, just be a blessing to people there uh, back in Albuquerque. So thank you for that. I ask you to continue to bless those that are struggling with these uh, other illnesses, God, getting over COVID, and, and the families that have lost people to COVID, a blessing, God, that they could understand to the the situations of life where, God, you are in charge and we have to place these things in your hands. May it be, be used to strengthen them in their faith and in their trust in you. 
But for those under cancer treatments, God, just make them quick and effective. We pray more than anything. And for this little, this little two-year-old struggling with the bad heart in the in the lung, God, thank you that this little girl is is up walking around and able to be in, in her home. We just pray for complete healing of her. Thank you for that, God. And we thank you for others with grandchildren dealing with and, chil- and children dealing with some illnesses, God, that just need your touch and need healing. Pray for your blessing to come upon us as we go through the rest of this week so that we can, Father, make a difference in the lives of others and help them see the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys very much for being with us this morning. And um, we will look forward to doing this again tomorrow. Same time. We will see you then. Bye-bye.